inside the house with her. He is out there somewhere. He will go after someone else. hope so, seeing as how you made me stop everything I was doing. You mean uh, just existing on Instagram? Yes. Okay. Um, hello and welcome back to Scream 101. I'm Brennan. And I'm Sergio. And this is a podcast. We do horror movies. But first, let's do some non-horror movies in the form of the 10-word reviews of the movies we watched in the last week. Wow. That was really complicated. Just off to a rollicking start already. Okay, so the first movie to review yes, on hit me these with non-horror movies in, that were movies that we saw this past week that yep. happened to be movies yep. um, was Mamma Mia. Uh, not as good as the sequel, needs more Meryl. <laughs> I think Mamma Mia, like if that's your complaint about the first one, you must have hated the second one. Um, just kidding, it's so much better. Um, but Mamma Mia, my review is a Wally trash cube covered in glitter. And that is a positive review. Okay. Mamma Mia 2. Here we go again. Better than the first. Still needs more Meryl. Uh, and my review of Mamma Mia, here we go again, is everything I loved plus an actually competent director. Miracles happen. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Sounds like we all had some glowing things to say about the Mamma Mias. Thank you. And if you want to catch our full 10-word review, 10-minute review. Uh, wow. It is still so hot. But I will try not to use that as an excuse. If you want to catch... Our full review of the movie Mamma Mia, here we go again. You can find it on our Patreon under our 10-minute reviews at the $2 level. If you pledge just $2 a month, you get you get to hear us talk about Meryl Streep for so much longer than you just got. That was just a taste of how long we can talk about Meryl Streep. Yeah, just a taste, just a smidge. Anyway, um, what we are here to talk about, because this is the last week of our anniversary month where we revisit older films we reviewed, we tread the waters all the way back to 70s proto-slasher month, which we pretty much hated across the board. And watch, When a Stranger Calls Back, uh, the 1993, 14 years later sequel to When a Stranger Calls, the first. Isn't that like Mamma Mia? It kind of is. Yeah. It brings back some of the original cast and reduced roles. Um, Meryl Streep's in it. Just kidding. Just like um, The Incredibles. A sequel that came many, many years later. Yeah. And we'll find out if it improved on the original. But first, here is the plot of When a Stranger Calls. Back. A retired detective, Charles Durning, and a crisis center counselor, Carol Kane, hunt a killer mm. stalking a co-ed, Jill Sholin. That's the end. How can we don't know who the killer's identity is? Because it's not really important to this movie. It's one they of, made it seem like it was. Yeah, they're like, ooh, it's a mystery. Who could this killer be? But it's like, you have given me no suspects. You're just kind of like wandering around trying to figure out killers, and then you find him in the end, and you're like, he's a killer. Oh, boy. Hmm. <laughs> Still not the best movie, but is it better than When a Stranger Calls? Let's find out. We rate all of our movies on scariness, campiness, effects, and quality. So uh, what's your scariness score for When a Stranger Calls Back, otherwise known as WASCB? If you want to do the acronym. I'm giving it a two. <gasps> so am I. And that's very generous from me. Two out of five. Okay. What? 
I think we both probably had this same scariest moment. I want to hear what yours is. There were two scenes that really stood out. Well, one scene and one, I guess, effect, if you can call it that. Sure. Trick of the eye. The camera shot. Whatever. Uh, So the first one was in the first third of the film. And Uh this movie is really unique in that it can be categorized as thirds, uh, (laughs) I feel like. Wow, you you really... uh, like I think you need to put more work into this theory of the fact that movies are split into three parts. Yeah. Uh, what 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 could we call each part? Like uh, my I option for part the first. Okay. The the part first, the second. The first blob. And then the part after the second. The That's, first fact. Yeah. So okay, clearly in the beginning, Brennan, if you want to be a little a little rude about it, um, God created the animals. Okay. So in the first part of the film. Okay. In the first third. Uh, uh, the the woman, the babysitter. Oh, I came up with a good term for it. What first act? Let's start calling it that and see if it catches on. I, I'm still optioning for beginning. Okay, the I first like beginning, and the first then beginning. the second beginning, and yeah, then the go. third beginning. There you go. You you understand me? Okay, gotcha. So in this first beginning, um, the babysitter receives a phone call. Uh huh. Does she receive a phone call? She receives exactly one, and it is there's no one on the line. Yeah, so we, it's we never, really when a stranger knocks, sort of. Mm-hmm. So then she receives a knock on the door. Yes, and this one guy starts harassing her throughout the entire night, being like, "Hey, shoddy, can like you call this number for me? <laughs> like AAA, you're trying to get AAA on the line." Uh, but this is before cell phones were invented, so like he his phone is still at, he has a, no phone. He's up a creek. Yeah. Um. So he's calling, telling her to do it. Uh, there's no like the phone is dead in her house or the house that mm-hmm. she's babysitting in. So she pretends she's talking to the auto club to like get him off her back. Yes, um, and he leaves and comes back, leaves and comes back, and they do this dance for about I would say a third of the movie or the first beginning of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, and then at one point, it's like it builds up to something where he finally is like, "Yo, like I'm not as good as you might have never thought. I am as bad as you thought." Mm. Um, or at least like he says, I see someone in your house. Like I see someone, well, the, you know, the house she's babysitting in, like mm-hmm. I see someone moving around upstairs, but it's pretty clear that it's probably him or someone he's working with. Yeah. Um, and then he's like, I see someone, someone's in the living room. And then someone tries to like choke her and she runs away. Mm-hmm. So we see that. Um, but before that we see the outline of him just step into frame as she's talking to the door. Yeah, or something. It's this really mysterious no. shape. It was freaky. Here's what happens: we never see the person talking on the other side of the door, as it turns out, for good reason. We're going to spoil this movie, by the way. Um, I my theory, I think, was still better than what actually turned out to be the truth. But um, your theory would have made more sense, yes, in terms of like practical world things that yes. happen. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. But so. Um, we only ever hear this voice on the other side of the door. We never see the figure. It's mostly just close-ups of the lock on the door, which really freaked you out at a certain point. Well, yeah, because you kept expecting like the locks to move, and it's like it never moved. Yeah, I, I think that. I mean, that's what Fred Walton, I believe, was doing. The director, mm-hmm. like, I think, like when a stranger calls the original, the opening is extremely effective. Probably a little less effective than the first one, um, but you know, it's a sequel. It's how mm-hmm. it goes. I just. I felt the loss of the phone. I was like, there's no phone in this. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, um, you, it's a shot on her. And when he's, it's, it's that switch where he's like, I see someone in the house. Someone's upstairs. Like, um, all that. 
it's a shot on her and there's like two mirrors behind her and the mirrors are reflecting the windows on either side of the door Mm -hmm. and you just see the silhouette of his face like move across the smoky glass of the window as reflected in the mirror and it's a really creepy shot Mm -hmm. like almost inexplicably like if you just look at it i'm not sure you'd be able to really break down why it's so creepy but i it's partially just the atmosphere of the, that the movie is set up that far and also the fact that this is the first time you're seeing this figure and it's mm-hmm. still shadowy and mysterious. Yeah, before you never saw anything of him, you just all you ever heard was his voice. Yeah. Um, and so he finally steps into frame. The movie's also, I felt, very minimal. Like, oh, yes. It's a really small set always. Everything's really contained. Mm-hmm. You only ever saw like two to maybe three rooms of the house, which, you know, you could tell that it was big, but you only ever saw like... The room she was in, like the mm. living room, and then the upstairs bedroom. Which, point point Jill Sholin, she checks the children multiple times in this movie. Yeah. They do still disappear, but good good on her. Good babysitting. Yep. Um, anyway. Um, so the second thing that Yeah, what was the out, second thing? And again, it was more of an effect than anything else, was uh, uh, how problematic the villain is. He paints himself completely in black uh, to become a shadow or whatever yeah to blend into the darkness on the stage so he, he can fully perform as the puppet and just make you think there's not a human there yeah um so he essentially does it's not blackface it's just it it's not it, i i don't want like let's not let's not jump all over with like this movie is problematic for that reason no i i i'm saying we shouldn't jump over with that yeah like you shouldn't stamp problematic on it because that's not at all what's happening uh-huh. um it's it's in the same way that stagehands wear black so they're not seen when they're moving furniture uh-huh. um in because blackface also highlights a lot of stereotypical attributes mm-hmm. um that this does not do it is literally okay. the color black completely over his entire body okay it's not a racial thing specifically uh-huh. although it it does Draw a comparison uh-huh. just by existing, uh-huh. but it, it's not at all racially charged. Uh-huh. It's just spooky because you only see his eyes like blinking in the darkness. Yeah, and blinking just like menacingly, like he just has this insane glare, mm-hmm. which just like fixates on whatever he's looking at. Um, and that makeup on him was just creepy. Yes, I completely agree. And later he he, he pitas himself. Yeah. Oh, are you doing that? What were you going to say, Peta? Also, oh well, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go. No, I mean Peta from Hunger Games. He he paints himself as the uh, like brick chimney in Carol Kane's apartment to blend in like a chameleon mm-hmm. and attack a her. chameleon. Yes, say chameleon. Chameleon. Nobody else will know that word. Chameleon. Everyone watched the extremely successful sitcom How I Met Your Mother, and that is what I'm quoting right now. Okay, so um, uh, you know who he reminded me of in that makeup? Who? That demon from Insidious. Oh yeah, the the lipstick face one. Yeah. I can see that. It's scary. It was scary. Okay, so that was it. That was my scariness. What okay. about you? Did no, anything those else are good scare ones. you out? I mean, obviously the window's great. I kind of like... Um, well, okay, this movie has a similar structure to the original When a Stranger Calls, where... It also had a first beginning? Yes. The, in the first beginning, um, there is a babysitter being menaced, and something terrible happens to the kids. In the second beginning, um, it cuts to like five years later, and just kind of a different story is happening. Yeah. And then the third beginning, everything culminates in the killer and the uh, babysitter meet once more. Although, in this one, they just insert Carol Kane instead of Jill Sholin because nobody wanted Jill Sholin. No. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I, like, I enjoy Jill Sholin. She's kind of a uh, a B-level scream queen who had a solid run of movies from, like, 86 to 93. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to read through her IMDb profile? I know sure. that's everyone's favorite thing. I started in 87. Here, Look, this is her, like, five years of her life. The Stepfather. Uh, Curse 2. The Bite. The Phantom of the Opera with Robert Englund. Cutting Class with Brad Pitt. Robert Englund was in The Phantom of the Opera, the musical? No, the 89 version. Um, I don't know if it was... I don't know at what point it became a musical. Um, it well, The Andrew Lloyd Webber musical came out in like 88 or 87 or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why they made a slasher movie version of the Phantom of the Opera story because the musical was popular. Um, but it's not a musical in and of itself. Oh. And it's not based on the Lloyd Webber um, script or anything. Okay, I don't know. Well, you... I believe we're in the room when I was watching it. No, my sister was. Never mind. Yeah. I won't judge Jerk. You. Sorry. But she was in Popcorn in 1991 and When a Stranger Calls Back. So that's a pretty solid run. I'm into that. Jill Shulman's great. Um, but yeah, no. If I had to choose between her and Carol Kane, you know what I'm doing. It's Carol Kane. But anyway, I got very easily distracted. In this second beginning, that we're, we should call it, um, in the in the original movie, that sequence was all about Charles Durning trying and failing to capture a killer, and it's incredibly boring and terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this one, it's about Jill Sholin trying to overcome her paranoia of what happened five years ago and being stalked by this killer once more, and it actually has a narrative thrust to any degree. Carol Kane shows up to help her as like a women's crisis counselor at her college. Also, Carol Kane's character in no way seems compatible with how she was in the original movie, but whatever, it's Carol Kane and you have no. to have her. I mean, like we kind of ignored the fact that apparently she had kids and was married at one point in this one. Yeah. Although I was like trying to figure out the timeline. I was like, if this movie's 14 years later, presume maybe her kids are just in college or something. And uh-huh. she has this giant apartment all to herself and she moved out of her home cause her husband got murdered. Uh-huh. I think I don't remember. Um, but then I was like, wait, which part is 14 years later? Because there's a five-year time cut in this movie. Is this, 19, is this set in 1998? Mm-hmm. Or was the beginning set in 1988? And it's so confusing. And I, tried, I just decided not to think about it too hard. Okay. Um, but anyway, this middle third, the babysitter's actually there the whole time, mm-hmm. which is something that When a Stranger Calls completely failed to do. It just drags Carol Kane back towards the end. And I think that fixes the greatest mistake of When a Stranger Calls. Even though Jill Sholin is summarily shoved to the side for the third act. Mm -hmm. But again, we get Carol Kane, so I don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just felt more consistent. There was more of a through line with the characters. Um, More through line with the babysitter. I don't know what character arc you saw in the villain. I'm not saying I saw one in the villain. Uh Nor that I required one, although I wish I had more explanations about certain things. They clearly wanted you to care about this villain, and they failed at that. Did they? They did. We did have to watch him be told to clean a toilet, which must have been really rough for him. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. No, but like, there are parts where um, Jill Sholin is being stalked, and like she wakes up, and the window that was closed when she went to sleep is open now, and spooky things like that. And I... I that stuff is creepy. The movie wasn't particularly effective at rendering it creepy, but it's still theoretically creepy. So it contributes to the two out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, what's your campiness score for this movie? My campiness score for this movie? Oh, two. I'm going to give it a three. 
I think I think it really can't be about this movie. You convinced me. Why is it? Why does it deserve a three? Oh, girl, have you seen Jill Sholin's hair in this movie? The mullet. Uh, well, it starts off as a really terrible Bridget Fonda and single white female pixie cut thing, and then I kept making fun of her hair, and then when she shows up again five years later, I'm like, oh, hopefully they fixed the hair, and they just made it worse. They turned it into like a like a bad facsimile of a Joan Jett mullet. And it's so bad. And she, I mean, I love the soft butch look she's rocking with all of her vests, but it, it does not work. It works so much worse. And careful what you wish for, I guess. I don't know if that makes it campy, but okay. Um, how about um, the notes that Charles Durning takes on his napkin about who the killer might be? Um, there, we see a part where he's trying to work it out. And it's literally on a napkin. Yeah, that was and, nonsense. Yeah, like on the left side of the ma- napkin, it says man one. And on the right side, it says man two. And then the bottom, it says Julia, which is Jill Sholin's character's name. And then he draws a little arrow from Julia to the word doctor, question mark. And we're like, what is he thinking yeah, about? Looking at it, it was pretty like just gnarly trying to figure out what it was, that the logic he was following. So yeah, so the little napkin was nonsense. Like, do it just what what was what do you th- what conclusion was he drawing? Was there a doctor in this? Um, the doctor that said that she was in this like she had psychiatric help at one point, but that was Carol Kane's character telling us that. Oh yeah, I don't know. I just I just love how he's like I'm going to show up to help you solve this crime, but not really. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to hit the bar and write up crazy theories on a cocktail napkin. Mm-hmm. For, the movie really is Carol Kane's movie. She oh, kind of yeah. shines as like the boss, as like a woman who believes a woman. Yeah, as, as the like, Heather Langenkamp in Elm Street Three. Yeah, as the woman who makes like really just cares about the character. All the other men in the movie are like, oh, she's making it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, like so a book was moved in your apartment. Like big whoop. Like that happens to me all the time. Yeah, I mean Carol Kane is the woman who believes a woman saying that she's being harassed, and mm-hmm. that's actually really timely. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so there's that. There is just Charles Durning. Carol Kane should not have invited him because he was the one that figured out who it was at the end, though. He did, but to almost to no avail. Yeah. Um, he did, you know, shoot the guy and save the day or whatever. But there's a part where they, f- um, Jill Sholin, um, supposedly has shot herself off screen, and they find this note under her bed that says like. Uh, it's dark. No phone. Uh, Jill, help me. And Charles Darning's like, seems like a suicide note to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what world are you living in? Was, I was like, it's a, it's emotionally dark and there's no phone in her soul to reach out to call. To pe- this is not what's happening. Mm-hmm. Clearly someone broke into her house. Yeah. I found that whole conversation between him and Carol Kane's character to be just nonsense. It's, it was mystifying. Yeah. It's just a series of them kind of like shouting words at each other that didn't, it felt like they were having two separate conversations, which I guess they were. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Um, it's just my worst nightmare of just completely being able to. Like, I feel like in my life, I'm usually the Carol Kane where I know what I'm talking about and it makes so much sense, but someone else just keeps saying things where it's like, that has, that has nothing to do with this conversation. Mm-hmm. And why would you even bring it up? And you're so sure of yourself that you are right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's happening here? Mm hmm. Um, this in no way has anything to do with the fact that I hang out with you a lot, JK, JK. That I don't take your conversation seriously? I mean, there is that. It happens all the time. I feign interest. (laughs) 
anyway no mostly i'm talking about work actually where i'm like it's so clearly this is this is a thing and they're like no anyway oh just such incisive humor that i have going on um anyway effects no no we got to stay on Carol Kane for one more second. Okay. Because there are some, there are two standout scenes in this movie. There's one where she's going grocery shopping and angrily throwing things into her basket. And it funny. is maybe the best acting moment I've ever seen. That was funny. Um, and then two, she freaking, she, in her final battle with the stranger, she leaps up and spin kicks him like right in the face. And it mm-hmm. is splendid. Yeah. I had no idea that she was capable of that. They didn't let us believe that. I mean, we saw her teaching a self-defense class, but it was like she pinned a guy. Uh-huh. I mean, she did take uh, Julia's character to like a, like a gun range to shoot that people. Um, so, you know, she is a woman who is clearly independent in her own way. So it's not a stretch for her character to be able to do that. But it was surprising that this uh, five-foot character just like jump kicked the guy. Yeah, she full-on Yoda's the stranger, and it is incredible, and I loved it. And I will. I want a gif of that as the wallpaper. I want. I want to dream about it every night. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. I want it just tattooed on the inside of my eyelids. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, it's very special, and I think that adds up to a three, more or less. There are some like funny moments in this movie. Okay. Um. So effects one out of five. Two. His body paint. Oh. I guess that does count. The makeup on that is cool. Yeah. So the you've char- convinced me. <laughs> the character detective guy, he goes through and like does some detectiving at the end of the movie to like figure out who the killer is and doesn't really figure out why he's doing what he's doing. We get a reason that he's trying to contact the mother of his dead children or something. Oh wait, really? Like the landlady was telling him that, right? Oh yeah. I was. I couldn't really hear what was going on there because someone on our street was blasting 90s hip-hop music for no reason. Hey, homie, this is Long Beach. This is the birthplace of 90s hip-hop music. No, so I you know, need to respect like, your no, history. No, no, no. Sorry, I, I don't mean to disrespect 90s hip-hop music. I mean the music that, like, the royalty-free music that someone in a 90s, like, Fresh Prince episode would be listening to on their boombox, uh-huh. which is not real music. Mm-hmm. Okay, like so, it, it's just like a beat and no one actually saying words because it's the cheapest way to make it. Okay. So anyways, he has a conversation with like the, his former landlord uh-huh. um, or his current landlord uh, saying like, yo, like what gives, what's he doing? And she's like, Oh, he tried to get into contact of the mother of his dead children. Um, and then he's asked like, did he do that? And she was like, yeah, I think he was successful. And he like trails off into the hallway and like goes away. And then Uh she like stays looking at him and we're like, just left at this hallway being like, what's happening next? So then, uh, the detective guy breaks into his apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, doesn't he find a bunch of hair? I don't remember anything about hair. Maybe I made that up. Maybe if you've seen this movie, tweet at us. It's on Amazon prime, by the way. So it's free. If you have Amazon. Um, watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, so he goes to his apartment and he finds these pictures, and we see pictures of Julia like knocked out. Um, which by the way, bad on this guy for like beating the woman while she was knocked out. Oh yeah, he kept like tapping her on the stomach, like 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 to a see her reflexes. Hammer, yeah, but then he just hits her harder and harder. That's a creepy scene. That's yeah. A creepy one. At first, I thought it was kind of funny because she got hit, but then I was like, no, this is just wrong. <laughs> um, and then the pictures even reveal even worse things that happened because he like takes pictures of her while she's nude uh, or um, he takes pictures of her body double yeah um uh 
And so, and we see pictures of really nothing. Yeah. It, it's just like random architecture pictures of just shapes and lines. And we're like, what is this? You couldn't really figure out what it was. It just looked like maybe it was a brick pattern. Maybe it was a palm tree or something or other. It really didn't make sense what you were looking at. Um, but later in the movie, we're in Carol Kane's apartment before she jump kicks the guy. And it turns out he body painted his entire body to match up with like the specific corner in her house. Uh, how it looked like in the dark or whatever. I do agree that that looked really cool. It was weird. It was really weird. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was effective and interesting. And definitely out of nowhere. Uh-huh. And also something we haven't fully mentioned is that this character is a ventriloquist. He knows how to throw his voice so it sounds like it's coming from other places. So you can't tell exactly where he is. Uh-huh. And I think that effect is interesting. Um, it probably would work better in a movie theater with like stereo surround sound mm-hmm. and not as a TV movie just on a TV screen because mm-hmm. you, you don't feel the difference in place that the voice is coming from. Um, and yeah, so I, that felt weak for me, um, but I liked the concept a lot. Mm-hmm. And also I kind of figured that the killer was throwing his voice when he was pretending to be outside the door. Like the conversation's coming from inside the house. But what I thought had happened was that he had a walkie talkie outside yeah. and he was talking into it, which would yeah. have made more sense. Honestly, it would have made more sense. Cause we never got any specific, like understanding of why he was a ventriloquist or, or what led him to haunt this woman. Or why is he interested in Carol Kane? Uh-huh. How does he know she exists? Uh-huh. There's a bunch of unanswered questions. Yeah. I never found out what happened to the kids, although I guess they maybe died. Yeah, like um, maybe that's what the landlady was talking about. Uh-huh. Nobody knows. It it doesn't matter. It it's, requires when a stranger calls again. When a, when a, when stranger, a stranger leaves a voicemail. When a stranger has star 69. Mm-hmm. So I guess you called the stranger first. <laughs> although that's kind of what calls back implies. Like you called the stranger and the stranger's like, hey, why'd you call me? And you're like, ah, a stranger. Uh-huh. Stranger calls back. Oh, okay, great. She leaves a recording. Do, do, do. Okay. Um, do, 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 I'm going to just do. hit you with my quality score, which is three out of five. I give it a two. I can see that. Um, I just thought it was leaps and bounds above the first one. It was good. And two doesn't mean that it was a bad movie. Uh, in fact, it was probably one of the better sequels that we saw this month. Um, but, yeah. I just thought as a movie itself, it left me with a lot of unanswered questions and yeah. not really quite the sense of conclusion that I like from my movies. Yeah, it, it, it's a little bland. Um, and I will say that the scary heights of this movie don't match the heights of When a Stranger Calls, uh-huh. but the lows are not present. And the lows of When a Stranger Calls are like crevasse in the middle of Mount Everest low. Like it's mm-hmm. dangerously perilously deadly low. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't like when a stranger calls like at all, mm-hmm. despite the fact that the beginning and ending are pretty superb. So this one, there's nothing in it that is superb, but everything in it is fine. And mm-hmm. I can live with that. Uh, consistent. Yeah. is what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like the Friday the 13th franchise more than the Halloween franchise. That's why you like child's play so much. Child's play is just a series of peaks. There are no, that one's not flatlining. It's just mm. always high. Just shooting for the stars. Yeah. Uh, Charles. Charles Lee Ray. Lee Ray. I was going to say Musgraves. 
sure. Charles Musgrove from one of those Jane Austen ones? Maybe. I know that's probably that, what you're I, thinking of. I knew that name didn't come out of nowhere. It's it's hiding in there. So I don't remember which book he's from. I though. think it was from Persuasion. Oh, yeah. I, that book. You have the wife who was like a mess. They lived on the beach. A beach? No? Okay. Never mind. I think a beach is Sanditon. No, no, there was a captain. This doesn't matter. Okay. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> Tune in next week to our Jane Austen podcast. Yeah. Where we talk about tea time and how you get a man in the Regency era. Yes. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that's unclear. The ending is very lame. It's Carol Kane and Jill Sholin in the hospital together kind of staring at each other. Um, we get no closure on who the killer is. And again, I don't need to know, like, specific. I don't need to know, like, where he grew up and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do at least want to know, like... If this is a sequel and the stranger's calling back, is how does he know Carol Kane? Does he just want to punish her for killing the other stranger who was his mentor? You know, mm-hmm. that I mean, that's lame. But you know, just like anything. Um, and the movie completely forgets about Jill Sholin, who is its main character, and she doesn't get a line of dialogue in the third, the whole third beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she's in a coma, and then when she's awake, she doesn't get to say anything. Poor Jill Sholin. I know. Um, they did her dirty. They really did. But Carol Kane is pretty superb in this movie. Um, there are certain lines where it's like, you just had a lot of words and you didn't think about emoting those words and you just kind of recited them. But for the most part, she's bringing it. Mm-hmm. Like she's Carol Kaning it up. Mm-hmm. She was really acting yeah, in this was. movie. Especially during that conversation. She was so emphatic about what she knew. Like in that she outdoor was, hallway. Uh-huh. An outdoor hallway. The breezeway. I'm talking about the dinner she was talking about with that fool. Where she was saying like the Oh, about, about the note. Yeah, uh-huh. no, that was good too. She's like, in the dark. Yeah. It was dark. The phone was yeah. gone. And but what <laughs> does it mean? She was just, she was good. Yeah. And I, I, I was thinking about a part in a breezeway where he's talking. Charles Durning is constantly trying to shut down Carol Kane. Mm-hmm. Like, screw him. Like, he's constantly, he's the true villain of this movie. Just like he's the true villain in the Muppet movie because he's Doc Hopper and he wants to make the Frog Lake restaurant and he wants Kermit to be the spokes frog for the restaurant. And, but then I think he wants to eat Kermit at some point. He's very mean. He's mean. Carol Kane's also in that movie. Only on this podcast can we bring up Jane Austen and then the Muppets. <laughs> yes. And then seamlessly work back it to work it back to Carol Kane. We'll see about that. Um, Carol Kane. Yes. Um, she was in the Muppet movie because whenever people said the word myth, she thought they were saying miss and she would say, yes. <laughs> you remember her? Oh uh, yeah. But I thought you were going to say every time they were saying myth, they were going to say meth. Which is like, yes, I want some. Yeah. That's totally Lynn. Uh, Lynn? What's her name? Character in a uh, Kimmy Schmidt? Oh, Lillian Kaustipper. Lillian Ka- yeah. That's, I love her. Yeah. She's wonderful. Um, but yeah. Anyway. So Carol Kane is also acting her butt off in the breezeway when he's like, well, Yada, yada, yada. And she's like, we all have to make choices or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, she, she's bringing it. And I think that brings us to pretty much the end of this conversation. You mean to the third beginning? Sure. Or, or like the, the, the fourth beginning. The beginning of the end, some might say. Which is, a, which is a movie about giant grasshoppers. Okay. Beginning of the end. That's okay. the name of a movie. We got to see it sometime. That's okay. Our next month of sequels sure um but yeah actually speaking of we have to talk about how we're changing up the schedule over the upcoming months and years and decades of this podcast okay so decades 
Okay, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of kidding, but okay. you never know. And like the future is going to be VR, where you can we can just pretend that you're sitting in the room with us while we talk about yeah. things. Don't get to see the beauty that is our living room. It is great. I love our living room. Our pillows, my pillows that I bought really bring the place together. Yep, they really do. I'm very proud of you for Thank buying you. pillows. Thank Target, you. home collection, everybody. <laughs> they do good work there. Yes, they do. Um, anyway, so starting next month, we're going to do things a bit differently. We're Because, you know, this is our third anniversary. We decided to switch things up a little bit. Um, what we're going to do is we're actually going to start kind of what the ethos of this month was and just kind of dive deep into some franchises for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we're going to do next month is we're going to start three new franchises from the beginning. So um, the idea is like every week we're going to get one entry in a different franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, next week we're going to be starting with the very first Children of the Corn. Ooh. Um, and then we're going to... In theory, attempt to watch all of the Children of the Corn movies. That's a very long franchise, so we'll be doing that every other week for uh-huh. the next couple of months. And the weeks in between, it'll be two different franchises. Yep. That I don't know. I'm ready to announce yet. We'll see. Okay, we'll see. Um, so basically, if that's confusing, here's how it's going to be. If there's franchise A, franchise B, franchise C, franchise whatever. Um, so the month is going to go like A, B, A, C. And then next month, A, B, A, C, mm-hmm. and so forth. Until we run out of movies in those franchises. Yeah. And we're just kind of going to dig deep and see what's what and compare the movies and like actually semi have a through line, although that's not really a thing in horror franchises. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a consistent like mythology we get to play with. And we're going to, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So let us know if you like the idea. Let us know if you have rented. Uh, the latest Children of the Corn from your local blockbuster to catch up with us. There actually is a new Children of the Corn that came out this year. And there actually is a blockbuster in, One. I think, Washington State oh, somewhere. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Um, but, yeah. so And also let us know if you have any franchise recommendations for us to dive into. Um, I think the idea is... I mean, we're going to try to get through to the end of whatever franchise we're watching. Mm-hmm. But I think also the idea is once they get real bad, we might hop off the train and just start a new franchise. Yeah. Once um, like the villain starts to be lamps, you know? Like, it, that is one of the better Amityville movies. TBQH. Um, yeah, once... I don't know. We'll see. Once we stop having fun. Yeah. that's. The, I mean, that's the point of this podcast. And not to just gruelingly punish ourselves, which I'm very worried is exactly what Children of the Corn is going to be. Mm-hmm. But it was your idea, so I'm going with it. All right, what's the latest sequel in, or entry into the Children of the Corn franchise? It's if... called Children of the Corn Runaway. Runaway? Yep. I like the title. Yeah, it stars Dakota Fanning as Joan Jett's friend. Oh. And Kristen Stewart as yeah. Joan Jett herself. It was a joke. Yeah, it was a joke. I don't think anybody... I mean, we are in the Children of the Corn. We're going to run across some familiar faces, including... Is Dakota Fanning in it? No. But uh, Charlize Theron plays an extra in part three. I know that. And I think there's a couple other people along the way. But I know relatively little about that franchise, so I'm kind of excited about it. Cool. Um, anyway, yeah, that's what we're doing next week slash month slash whatever. We're we're going to bring back the monthly themes for certain special months out of the year. Um, but that's what we're going to try to do for the next uh, time being. And hopefully it'll be really fun and I'm excited about it. Okay, cool. Um, I'm excited too. 
Anyway, here's how you can get in contact with the show and give us your horror franchise recommendations. And that is on Twitter at Scream101Pod, on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Um, you can email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Um, find us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review us. Give us five stars because why not? Just It, it feels so good. Don't you want to feel good? Don't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm you sorry. know, you could have done Feel So Good and then played us off to Feel So Good by Chuck Mangione. Uh, that's a copyright violation. You could have hummed it. Mm, mm, mm. Chuck Mangione. I don't know that song. It goes. Dun, 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 Does it go? I was sick and tired of everything. No. But I called you last night. You got to end this. You have to end this. Go. Good luck on your journey. And stay gold, everybody. Stay gold, everybody. And I was glad to hear you coming. Right in. Okay. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. You, in fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out into a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy. At podpeople.me. That was, that was really fun and not awkward at all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>